Podcasts by Discovery in partnership with Sama, the SAPPF, and the UFFP. Dear colleagues, I am Dr. Morris Goodman, Chief Medical Officer of Discovery Health. In collaboration with Sama, SAPF, and the UFFP, it is our distinct privilege and pleasure to launch COVID Clinical Brief. Together, we are facing a pandemic unlike any other we have ever known. As doctors on the front line of this battle, the challenge is immense. We are facing a new world, one in which our lives, as well as the lives of the people for whom we care, are under constant threat. And now, for the first time, we have little or no evidence-based medicine on which to rely. We are confronted with unique challenges in diagnosis, treatment, and public health decision-making with an insufficient evidence base. We need a credible, relevant source of information to ensure consistency in our decision-making, treatment standards, resource utilization, and messaging to our patients. In an attempt to assist you and provide you with factual data and guidance from both local and global leading experts, Discovery Health, SAMA, SAPIF, and the UFFP are jointly launching COVID Clinical Brief. These podcasts and webinars will update you with the latest clinical insights and information on COVID-19. To ensure that this information is practical and relevant to you, we ask that you forward your specific queries to us to be answered in the series. We trust that this will help to equip you with additional up-to-date knowledge and guidance to best navigate these challenging times. We hope that you find the series valuable and we look forward to your input and feedback. Hello, my name is Norbert Sabetsi and I am the academic and clinical head of cardiology in the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of the Witwatersrand and the Charlotte Macheki Johannesburg Academic Hospital. Today I'll be speaking to you about SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 and its impact on the cardiovascular system. To introduce my talk, I have broken it down into the epidemiological overview of SARS or severe acute respiratory syndromes caused by coronaviruses and then a brief look at the cardiovascular complications with this particular focus on the angiotensin converting enzyme 2 mechanism and its role in the transmission and replication of the virus. I will then consider the viral pathology and how it links to the cardiovascular system and then conclude with a few take-home messages. So coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2 is a novel coronavirus that has been discovered recently in China. It belongs to the family of viruses, coronaviridae. 
However, coronaviruses are not entirely um, new to us. Um, they've been discovered since the 1960s. And in fact, we have had, had two previous um, epidemics caused by coronaviruses. Um, the first was the severe acute respiratory syndrome caused by the SARS coronavirus. And uh, the second epidemic was caused by the Middle East respiratory uh, syndrome, uh, um, which um, was then later subsequently um, followed by coronavirus disease um, 2019 caused by SARS-CoV-2. So we've been living with these viruses for a while and um, they have caused a similar epidemics as the one we currently have. However, this one is quite significant because of its magnitude. As of the 2nd of June, uh, 2020, globally, um, SARS coronavirus 2 has infected more than 6 million people worldwide and has been responsible for approximately 378,000 deaths. To bring this matter home in South Africa, the virus has caused 35,812 confirmed infections and has been responsible for 755 deaths in South Africa. So truly a global pandemic and a huge public health emergency, which requires all clinicians to share knowledge and information and to gear up um, in terms of how to best treat this virus comprehensively. What's interesting about the coronavirus is that SARS-CoV-2 shares almost 80% amino acid sequence similarity with SARS-CoV uh, or COVID-1. So these two viruses have great similarity. And while we are in a phase of a lack of knowledge and evidence to guide our current therapies and strategies in managing patients suffering from COVID-19, prior data from SARS-CoV or COVID-1, which was responsible for the SARS um, epidemic, this knowledge gives us guidance in terms of what we can anticipate and expect from the current SARS-CoV-2, which causes the disease, coronavirus disease 2019. So while this virus is traditionally thought of as a pulmonary disease because of the severe acute respiratory distress syndromes that patients may manifest with, what we're increasingly realizing is the huge burden of or cardiovascular disease that seem to accompany patients who present with severe COVID-19 disease. So we are realizing more that those patients who do present with the acute respiratory distress syndrome and who end up requiring um, intensive care treatment and monitoring 
the majority of these patients or a significant proportion of these patients have a huge comorbidity of cardiovascular and related diseases. And this, these are typically hypertension, um, heart failure, coronary heart disease, obesity, etc. And this collection of diseases similarly uh, um, is associated with increasing age and is also associated with poorer outcomes in patients who complicate with SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 disease. The interplay of this disease um, with the cardiovascular system really anchors itself regarding the angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 mechanism which this virus needs or requires in order to infect cells and then to multiply and to shed itself. If you recall, one of the principal mechanisms of therapy that we use in cardiology or in the management of cardiovascular disease such as hypertension, as well as heart failure, is mitigating the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Now, for many of you, this may be second-year physiology, but this is really the pillar or the cornerstone of how this virus has seemingly anchored itself in the cardiovascular system. Now, during the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, we have um, angiotensinogen, which is converted to angiotensin-1 by renin. Angiotensin-1 is then converted to angiotensin-2 by angiotensin-converting enzyme. And then angiotensin-2 mitigates its effects via the angiotensin-type 1 receptor. In order to mitigate these harmful effects, uh, which are brought about by angiotensin 2 acting at the angiotensin 1 receptor, we can either block the angiotensin converting enzyme by using ACE inhibitors, uh, such as um, enalapril, ramipril, etc., or we can even use um, angiotensin receptor blockers. Um, such as losartan, to basically block the angiotensin type 1 receptor and hence mitigate the downstream effects which we, which, uh, um, uh, we want to prevent caused by angiotensin type 1 receptor activation. And these effects are typically vasoconstriction, um, increased inflammation, cardiac myocyte, hypertrophy, and fibrosis. What many didn't know or were aware of is that like most um, physiological processes that the body has, our body has a negative mechanism that tries to balance the effects of angiotensin II in terms of its... Uh, deleterious harmful effects being controlled or being um, weaned down. And this is done by the angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. 
which is very similar um, to angiotensin converting enzyme one. However, this time, this enzyme works on angiotensin two and breaks it down to angiotensin one seven. Angiotensin one seven then possesses all the counter mechanisms uh, or effects to what angiotensin two effects. So essentially, one of the key mechanisms is that it causes vasodilatation, uh, which is uh, a, a different from the vasoconstriction mediated by angiotensin two. And so this is how the system of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system is anchored in the body and how it works in order to uh, both uh, causing harm in the setting of disease and also having an endogenous mechanism to prevent worsening of disease in patients who, who have um, uh, naturally occurring ACE2 levels. Coming back to COVID-19. Now, COVID-19 has spike proteins, and these spike proteins give it its characteristic uh, crown-like um, appearance. Um, and uh, these um, spike proteins need to be cleaved by angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 in order to facilitate viral entry and replication. Angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 is not the only cofactor required. Another membrane um, protease, uh, serin 2 or abbreviated as TMPRSS2, is also required to facilitate uh, viral entry and replication. So essentially, in order for the virus to effectively grow and spread, um, it needs these two cofactors. Now, bear in mind that previously highlighted that ACE2 is, is endogenously a good um, uh, uh, protein, uh, protease, that actually um, facilitates conversion of angiotensin 2 to angiotensin 1-7, which has the counter or counters all the harmful effects that are brought about by angiotensin 1 receptor stimulation. So we now have a virus that is essentially hijacking this uh, system or mechanism and using it for its own uh, mechanism of cell entry and replication. And that is why now um, this has caused great controversy and confusion amongst clinicians because the thinking that patients who are on angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers um, who then have upregulation, natural, naturally occurring upregulation of angiotensin converting enzyme 2, um, potentially are now at increased risk of facilitating viral entry and hence viral replication and shedding. And we know that um, uh, severe COVID 19, the disease itself, is associated with high viral loads. And so this has therefore created this concern that if patients are on these therapies, such as your hypertensive patients or patients with heart failure, is there a possibility that these patients could be harmed and um, fare worse simply because they are taking ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers? On further 
inquiry to this um, controversy, recent evidence is now emerging that um, ACE2, even in the face of uh, COVID-19, is still beneficial. And in fact, what the virus does is that once it infects human cells, it then down-regulates the levels of ACE2. And potentially, um, the some of the beneficial effects of angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors as well as angiotensin receptor blockers, these could be mediated or mitigated by this neurohormonal modulation that is brought about by ACE2. So currently we do not have evidence that patients who are taking angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers are at an increased risk of um, enhanced viral infection or enhanced viral entry and replication. And in fact, um, mice models as well as other observational evidence that is emerging demonstrates or promotes the use that patients who are on such therapies should continue um, being on such therapies because there's definitely a protective and a beneficial effect of taking these therapies in terms of controlling their primary cardiovascular disease. And um, these therapies are not associated with facilitating or increasing viral entry into uh, the body. Now, we are aware as well that um, while SARS coronavirus 2 as a primary target for the lung um, and with the use or, or mitigation or utilization of ACE2, it's able to cause uh, multiple cardiovascular injuries. And these could manifest in the form of hypotension, tachycardia, bradycardia, other um, pathological arrhythmias, as well as sudden cardiac death. And some of the mechanisms by which it does this is first by via the ACE2, as well as um, by causing a surge of pro-inflammatory cytokines, as well as causing the systemic inflammatory response system uh, syndrome, and which causes uh, further injury in terms of uh, harming multiple organs. And this could further deteriorate in, and degenerate into multi-organ failure. We also are aware that there are other um, significant secondary comorbidities which can also cause injury to the cardiovascular systems um, where basically it's been noted that in a lot of the patients that have originally been uh, treated for COVID-19, a significant proportion of them have a high percentage of comorbidities, and these are typically hypertension, heart failure, obesity, um, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, etc. And one common denominator in all of these patients is, uh, importantly, advanced age. And it's not clear as yet whether... Um, the advanced age is in itself an important factor or is it just a confounder 
um, in terms of patients who have this disease. So a lot of work still needs to be done in terms of um, prospective uh, randomized controlled trials to determine which of these risk factors are really critical in causing uh, or predicting a poor outcome for patients and which are just innocent bystanders and in fact have been confounded as to being associated with um, poor prognosis in patients with COVID-19. Now, some of the potential mechanisms of myocardial injury caused by SARS-CoV-2 um, first could occur in the setting of direct viral infiltration and injury. As I mentioned, that the virus uh, uses ACE2 in order to infect cells, and this could cause direct injury as the virus downregulates ACE2 levels, which I mentioned earlier was protective and had a good uh, neurohormonal modulation, which accounted the effects mediated by angiotensin 2 when it acts on the angiotensin 1 receptor. Another mechanism entails a scenario where the virus causes um, systemic inflammation and uh, leads to what has been termed the cytokine storm. Um, and here you have very harmful um, cytokines that are uh, expressed at high um, levels and the immune system is failing to regulate these optimally and ultimately causing injury to multiple organs and having the potential to degenerate to multi-organ failure. And in the setting of the heart, this myocardial inflammation could also occur um, within uh, 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 the tissues and the blood vessels around the heart. A further mechanism occurs in a setting where there is a demand, um, oxygen demand um, and supply mismatch where we have an individual who has, um, has been infected and has an associated tachycardia, associated raised inflammation. However, at the same time, this is coupled by the hypoxia that arises from the acute respiratory syndrome. So you have a scenario where the heart is demanding or requiring more oxygen and, and uh, improved blood flow. However, um, at that time, the lungs are unable to oxygenate the blood optimally and hence creating this supply-demand mismatch, which uh, has also been hypothesized and associated um, to cause type 2 myocardial infarctions where there's a supply-demand mismatch. And also um, through the cytokine storm has been suspected to cause plaque instability whereby um, COVID-19 can then precipitate subclinical or clinical myocardial injury, um, leading either to overt myocardial infarction or to a, uh, an elevated troponin leak, which would signify myocardial injury. Then last but not least, the other mechanism that has been proposed to cause cardiac injury is microvascular dysfunction, which is mediated by endothelial dysfunction as well as uh, abnormal thrombogenicity, 
where patients may have a disseminated intravascular coagulation type phenotype, or in overt cases may even precipitate with massive pulmonary embolism and present with acute right heart failure. So all of these are the various mechanisms that have been postulated to be at play in patients with COVID-19 and being responsible for the features that we see in terms of the cardiovascular disease. Now, looking at some of the studies that have been reported um, um, in China, as well as in Italy and uh, recently in America, is that a majority of the patients who have severe outcomes for COVID-19 tend to have marked cardiovascular comorbidities. Um, I highlighted that um, age was one of the key confounders where a lot of these patients tend to be elderly than young. And um, those with the severe disease, for example, have ages in the range of 60 and above. The key cardiovascular comorbidities that have been um, studied and have been reported to have a significant association with mortality have been hypertension, as well as coronary heart disease. Other um, uh, cardiovascular diseases, although reported in fewer studies, um, have been congestive heart failure. And individuals who have been um, investigated and studied with severe COVID disease and accompanied by these cardiovascular comorbidities have had remarkable mortality rates, um, morbidity and mortality rates as high as 30 to 50%. And so again, increasing um, alertness and awareness of the potential harm and risk that these patients um, have is important so that um, these patients can be followed up closely when they complicate with COVID-19 and also can be treated um, optimally and ensure that they are on appropriate therapy to prevent them from um, having deleterious outcomes in terms of COVID-19. So to really sum up the key issues regarding COVID-19 and the cardiovascular system, is that there's currently no evidence that angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 um, increase is harmful or facilitates increased viral entry. If anything, the use of angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors as well as angiotensin receptor blockers is key in protecting patients with cardiovascular disease. ACE2 has positive neurohormonal modulatory effects that counters the harmful effects of angiotensin II mediated at the angiotensin I receptor. And in fact, COVID-19 upon infecting human cells downregulates ACE2 levels. And that has been shown to um, be associated with detrimental cardiovascular outcomes. Current evidence 
therefore recommends that we continue treating patients with optimal RAS blockade, both for hypertension as well as um, cardiovascular disease, including even renal disease, in order to mitigate um, exacerbation of their cardiovascular disease and the worsened outcomes. Thank you for your time and thank you for listening. I hope this shares more insights in terms of the interplay of COVID-19 and the cardiovascular system. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery in partnership with SAMA, the SAPPF and the UFFP.